Right now, you're in that place where you're not holding on tight because now it's harder. People are like, I can't believe you're a Christian. Don't you know that Christians are in to get all their stuff? But brothers and sisters, listen, you need to learn how to hold on. Why? Because Jesus is faithful. And it doesn't mean that the church is perfect. It doesn't mean we get everything right. Of course we don't. But he does. And brothers, we need to learn how to hold on in the midst of a world that's gone haywire. Will you do everything right as you follow Jesus? Of course not. You're human. So just know that you're a sinful person and you need the grace of God. But Pastor Daniel reminds you today that this fact doesn't mean you shouldn't try to follow Jesus in the way he's asked. That won't save you. It never could. But when you do what your Savior has requested, this is a way you can thank him for all he's done. And when you do mess up, you can run to him. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Church in Thyatira. You're serving other people. You're serving one another. You have faith. It's the fuel that is driving this service. And of course, I know your, your patience, your perseverance. I know that things are not easy for you. And what's powerful is unlike the church in Ephesus, which is the first church that we saw, Jesus also says, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Remember the church in Ephesus, like they had great first works, but they had lost their first love. The church in Thyatira has got momentum going, right? They're doing more now than they were before. They got a head of steam and they're really growing right now. And so these things are wonderful, but not everything is wonderful because he says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Now, I always say that, like, I almost want you to underline that in your Bible. Because, you know, because we live in a world where everyone wants to be built up because life can be so challenging, sometimes we don't want Jesus to say, hey, listen, this is the issues that I have with your life. Or if somebody comes to you and say, hey, listen, you love Jesus and look at all these great things that's happening, but listen, you gotta look at this. We have a tendency to be like, don't judge me, right? That's what we say. Like, who, who do you think you are? But like, Jesus is so honest with this church. He's like, you got all these great things going, but there are some things that I'm having issues with. And now Jesus is gonna speak to them about their blind spots now. And what's so powerful about this is Jesus loves them enough to speak into their blind spots. And I'm here to tell you that real love is honest and truthful, Right? And we all, we, how do I say this in a way that makes sense? Is that the last thing any of us should want is for nobody to feel that they love us enough to tell us where the issues are. Because we're all growing. Or we should be. And listen, like, it's like when Jesus loves a church enough to say, listen, you are doing great in all these areas and you have momentum, you have faith and you have love and then you're doing great, but actually there's some huge issues too. That's not Jesus being mean. That's not him being judgmental. That's him being a good savior because he wants us to grow. So for the church in Thyatira, listen what the issue is. He says, I have a few things against you. 
because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. So what they have in this church is there is a prophetess who calls herself Jezebel, right? Or her name is Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess, and she's compromising and corrupting the church through sexual immorality and things sacrificed to idols. Now, if you know your Bible at all, you know that Jezebel shows up in 1 Kings chapter 16 to 21, and then also 2 Kings 9, right? So Jezebel was the wife of a king of Israel named Ahab. She was one of the main issues that the prophet Elijah had in his ministry because because of her powerful association with the king, she was bringing in to Israel what God had said not to, which is the marriage of the worship of a pagan god called Baal with also belief in the creator god. And so there was this mixture that was going on. And really it begins with this woman. It doesn't mean that all women are bad, but like for Jesus to call this woman Jezebel, whether that's her name or not, that would be like in our day and age, being like calling someone a Judas, right? Or, or, or you call someone a Hitler. It's very provocative. And for the children of Israel at that time, this woman being Jezebel is very provocative. And now we live in a day and age now where in the name of feminism, it's like, you know, Jezebel's like a, like a hero, which is not real feminism. It's just trashy. Does that make sense? But I realize that our culture loves to pit itself against the past. But like when you read like Jezebel was, she was like having the people of God murdered. Like, so this is not like a good woman. But what's going on in the church in Thyatira is this woman is a part of this congregation and she's wreaking havoc upon people's lives. Now, what I think is fascinating is, you notice it's to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And if you were with us as we studied the letter to the church in Pergamos, wasn't that that was also the error of Balaam, right? The doctrine of Balaam. Because what did Balaam tell Balak to do to stumble the children of Israel? Sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, what I think is fascinating about both of these is Balaam and now Jezebel are Old Testament stories that have very real implications for where we live. Now, I bring this up because I like to say that culture may change, but people by and large don't. Like, you may have an iPhone with a calculator on it, and someone in the past used to do math with an abacus, but people still steal from one another, no matter how you do the math. And what's interesting is Jesus expects that the church in Pergamos would understand the mistake that Balaam had made and the children of Israel had made. And he expects that the church in Thyatira would understand who Jezebel was and what she was doing and why it was a problem. And it's a great reminder that the scriptures were given for our admonition. One of the reasons we read it is because you will not make any other mistakes that have already been made and documented in the scriptures. So in some ways, you do not want to make the same mistakes that others have made when you can read about the dumb things that they did and what happened to them and say, I'm not going to do that. Does that make sense? So it's like, and this is what I would say, in a culture that loves experience, and I love experience like the next person, it is not wisdom to have to make the same mistake that everyone else made so that you can learn. It's actually wisdom that when everyone else makes that mistake, you're smart to say, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'll make a different set of mistakes, but at least I didn't have to recreate the wheel on making mistakes. Does that make sense? 
And so as we're reading through the scriptures right now as a church, don't think that the Old Testament is inconsequential because Balaam and Jezebel were Old Testament characters that now Jesus is like, hey, it's the same mistake over and over again. Now, what's interesting is, of course, the issues with Jezebel is simply the fact that she introduced false worship, which led to a false view of sexuality. Now, when you put those things together, what you realize is I believe that every sin that people experience is a worship problem first. Like you have to break the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And then all the other commandments stem from that beginning. When you worship another God or you worship the true and living God in a wrong way, that flows into all of the lifestyle sins that the Bible speaks about. So the issue is always a worship problem, which then leads on into other embodied problems that people have. That's why here at Crossroads, we talk about it as upward, inward, and outward, right? I wrote a book about that because we love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's upward. And then we love our neighbor, which is outward as we love ourselves. So what we believe about God drives the way we see ourselves, all right? So our beliefs about God drives our identity, which drives our ethics. Now for Balaam and for Jezebel, because there's a worship problem, Someone's belief about God will drive how they see themselves, which drives how they can embody life with their bodies. So in a lot of ways, it always runs in the same thing. Her false worship led to a false view of what was sexually permissible. And our culture is living in the midst of this, mostly because we live in a society that is free and we can't make anybody worship anything that, unless they want to. Does that make sense? Now, the only way to fix what's going on in the world is for you and I to make sure we worship the true and living God and we embody our faith in a way that gives God glory. Now, someone is bound to say, it's very common, I hear this all the time, because people find I'm a pastor, like, why does God care about what we do in our bedroom? I'm like, oh, it's simple. God cares about everything we do because everything we do has implications for life. You can't compartmentalize, like, the God who created and sustained you cares about every part of your life. I'm like, you want to hear something even crazier? God doesn't only care about what goes on in your bedroom. He cares about what goes on between your ears. Your thought life matters to God. That's how valuable you are to God. Because God realized that what you think, how you think is going to drive how you act. It's going to drive how you treat people. And we live in a day and age that says, oh, listen, God shouldn't care about what we do in the bedroom. I'm like, actually, God cares about everything about you. Because he's your father and he loves you. As a parent, any parent gets, do you care about everything about your kids? Yes, you do. Now, sometimes you don't want to know what they're doing. Right? But you care because you love them. So God cares very much. And again, our holiness matters. Our holiness matters. Now, you see what the problem is. Notice verse 21. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now this is powerful because the issue that Jezebel has and this church has is that he's God saying, I spoke into her life, but she would not change. And her issue is a lack of repentance. Now, this is so important because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of us has failed. The only issue is not have you failed. We all have. The issue is 
when God's spirit convicts you of where you fail, do you repent? I call this simply responding to Jesus. I call this when Jesus speaks into our lives, will we change our minds, which will change our actions, which will change our heart, which will change our outcome? So here right now, listen, I realize that I talk to a sanctuary full of people and there's people on TV and they're online and they're on radio. Listen, all of us have failed, but when God convicts you, will you turn to him from what he has convicted you? And this is where the rubber meets the road. Repentance is God's invitation to the abundant life. Like, I love it. Just today, I got to pray with different people about different things. And in each one of them, it's like, where God wants me to go is different than where I am. And then my prayer is like, Lord, will you do the work and give them the faith to take the step? Because that's where repentance happens. And for all of us, every single day, God is inviting us away from living life on autopilot, doing things the way we've always done it, but he convicts us and then our job is to say, God, I turn. I'm responding to your invitation by saying, amen, Lord, I'm following you. I'm not gonna follow this anymore. And what is that for you today, my friend? What is God asking you to turn away from? For some of us, our health is failing. We need to change things in the way we eat. It's a good thing. I love food like the next person. I gotta repent of what I eat sometimes. I know some of you are going to say, don't talk about Twinkies. Exactly. <laughs> but in each one of our lives, the invitation is, I want to do something. Will you turn? Will you repent? Jezebel wouldn't do it. There were people who won't do it. And what I want to say to you, if you're here today and you're a child of God, the only proper response to Jesus is yes, Lord. Because if you say no, Lord, it's an oxymoron. He's not the Lord then of your life. So we say yes and we repent again. And as we do that, holiness is the, a gift that Jesus has given us. It's his holiness. He shares it with us. But then as we repent, we get to experience and walk in more and more of his holiness in our lives because we don't do things we're not supposed to do. He convicts us and he points us away from things that are destructive or hurtful. So listen to how Peter explains it. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. I love that. He's like, man, put a belt on your mind and pick up those saggy pants. Like, pick them up in your head. Get your thoughts right. That's what he's saying. Be sober, not just physically sober with no drugs and alcohol, although it means that, but be sober-minded. Like, think clearly. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you Call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. See, it's so beautiful because he even says, don't continue to do what you used to do, the former lusts. He's like, listen, for those of you who went the way of Jezebel, who got seduced into the immorality, don't do that. Don't be conformed to that anymore. But God is calling you afresh. God is saying, listen, you used to do that. See, the testimony of a child of God is that I used to do things that I don't do anymore because I did it in ignorance. And now the spirit of God has enlightened my mind. I don't want to do that anymore. 
And all of us should have the, I used to do that stuff. That used to be my story. That used to be what I was writing in my life. But now God's got something brand new. And your holiness matters. Because you see what goes on here. Because she wouldn't repent, Jezebel knows. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery, whether in the great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. He's saying, listen, the outcome of a life lived in rebellion against God doesn't end in a good place. That's always been the story that God has. I like to say that God's commandments, God's fences around our behavior is because God loves us too much to want us to hurt ourselves. That's not a bad God, that's a good God. A good parent loves our kids enough to not want them to hurt themselves. And he says, and not only is it going to hurt them, it's going to hurt her, you're going to end up in tribulation, and your kids are also going to have issues. Which is, again, like you look at it, it's like, I will kill her children with death. And then he says, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I'll give each. He's saying, listen, when this happens, everyone will know that I am the great I am. I am the son of God. I am the refiner. I'm going to do a work. Now, from there, look at what Jesus says, verse 24. It says, but now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. Now, I love this. If you are walking in, in this case, the way of Jezebel or the way of Balaam, you need to repent. You need to turn. But if you're not, just hold on. I love that. Jesus is now talking to people who are not caught up in that. For the people who are caught up in that, you need to turn. But then he says to them, he says, now I say to you and to the rest, everyone in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, as many are not walking in these ways, and notice how the people who are not walking in the ways, they see what's wrong. They say, who have not known the depth of Satan, as they say. So there were people in the church of Thyatira who saw what was going on. It's like, this is the depth of the enemy. They saw it for what it is. He's saying, but for those of you who are not there, I'm not going to put any other burden on you, but hold fast what you have until I come. Just hold on. Now, I think this is really, really important because there are some of us where you did a lot of battle to get yourself out of a very unhealthy situations, right? And you landed where you're not in the middle of it. But you know, I always talk to people because I'm always like, listen, because you had a lifestyle of doing that stuff, it's very easy to fall back into that. It's like, I always like to say, I'm a musician. It's like, as a bass player, when a drummer plays, they call it a pocket. And a bass player just falls into a pocket with a drummer. Every drummer feels a little, even the same time, it feels a little different. If you've played with someone for a while, you just fall right into it. It's like you just lock in. And I think in our hearts is almost like a groove that depending on our lifestyle choices over time, we fall into the groove of that, right? And then when you, when you need to make a new groove, it takes a lot of work because you're so, it's habitual, or we get used to it. it feels normal. It feels like we're missing something without it. But then when you get into a new groove, you got to hold on because it's so easy to snap back. It's why when I was getting clean from drugs and alcohol, it was like it was so easy to fall back into it. Because you've been doing it for so long. You knew how it worked, how it felt. In the same way, like in all these different areas. And so for each one, when you land in a place where you've now used, now you just got to hold on. You got to stay 
I am never going back. I always think of our founding pastor, Bill Ritchie. Such a, Bill's an impressive person on multiple levels, but you know, 11 years ago, he lost 60 pounds and he's kept the weight off. It's amazing. I've, you know, in the, in the last 11 years, I've gained and lost probably 600 pounds. But I'll always ask Pastor Bill, I'm like, Bill, like, how'd you do it, man? He's like, well, listen, I made a decision that when I lost the weight, I was never going back. And I'm like, but everyone makes that decision. He's like, yeah, but I had to design a system around me to make sure that I didn't. And in a lot of ways, he has learned that he's a great example of this is how you hold on. But holding on, being persevering, not moving is an important Christian idea. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, 2,000 years ago, the writer to the Hebrews said, in order to hold fast the confession because God is faithful, you need one another. And now 2,000 years later, we are so much closer to the return of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, we need Jesus and one another more. You need one another. If you're not connected in with other people, it's hard to hold fast on the things. You need people praying for you. You need people knowing what's going on. You need people to be able to, when you don't show up for two weeks, to be like, where have you been? Because that's how it works. Because God is faithful. We need to hold fast our confession. If you read, and we'll talk about this as we get deeper in the book of Revelation, but in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. I think we're already beginning to see it. Where it's easier for people not to follow Jesus in a world where following Jesus is not accepted, where it's challenging. We need more courage to follow Jesus now than maybe at any other point in American history. Now, the beauty for me is I'm stubborn. I never like to go the way everyone goes. So it's like I'm contrarian by nature. Like if everyone got saved, I'd be like, okay, they don't need me anymore. You know what I mean? Like if it was a big revival. But like for many of us, it's like right now you're in that place where you're not holding on tight because now it's harder. People are like, I can't believe you're a Christian. Don't you know that Christians are, and they go, duh, 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 to give all their stuff. But brothers and sisters, listen, you need to learn how to hold on. Why? Because Jesus is faithful. And it doesn't mean that the church is perfect. It doesn't mean we get everything right. Of course we don't. But he does. And brothers, we need to learn how to hold on in the midst of a world that's gone haywire. And I'm here to tell you, unless Jesus reigns a revival, it's going to get more haywire. You have to know that. Like, it's not even like great discernment. It's like, it's just, you watch the arc of what's happening. And I'm like, Lord, unless you bring a revival on our nation, this gets worse, way worse. But the reason it also gets worse is because as it gets worse, when people don't hold on to Jesus, then they just kind of float away. And my goal for us as a church family is that none of you float away. Jesus is real. There's danger in everyone's lives. The enemy of our faith continues to prowl around, finding ways he can destroy what God is doing. He's subtle. You may not notice the little ways in which you followed him. Pastor Daniel reminded you today to take spiritual warfare seriously and to look for it in your life. 
Be mindful to how your choices are affecting your relationship with the Lord. It could be that you've been blind to what the devil is doing. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel continues his study in the book of Revelation. And it's not going to get easier. Next time we reach the church in Sardis and they are told right out of the gate that they're not doing well. In fact, God will refer to them as dead. Yet God isn't giving up on them. There's a chance for repentance. There's a chance for us too. If you need to repent, God is waiting. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.